Thank you for downloading the South Everett Foursquare podcast. This is Pastor Chris Pepler, and you've joined us for our seven I Am Statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. You're free to join us in person any Sunday at 1030 a.m. at the Village on Casino Road. Also feel free to check us out at our website, southeverett.org. Enjoy today's podcast. This joy in the house of the Lord, this joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise. This joy in the house of the Lord, this joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise, we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung upon that cross. Then he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven. Accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. Here we stand on this foundation. Hope as a neighbor. Faith is our flag. The cross is our
in the pressing you are making you are in the soil and surrender you are breaking Can it be a 
stillness and peace with God. I want us to just conjure up in our minds and our souls the thing about our life at present that plagues us the most. Just give yourself a minute and bring that to mind. The thing that you're not quite sure why God has allowed or is invited you to walk through or invited you to surrender to him, the thing that you're wrestling with him about, the thing that if it just wasn't a thing, everything would be fine, Jesus, except for this one thing. And it may be something from this morning. It may be something from this week. It may be an illness. It may be a long suffering. But I want us to imagine bringing that to the foot of our father the same way that Jesus brought the circumstances of the cross to the father in the garden. If there's any other way, Father, that this cup could pass from us, Lord, let it be. But if not, Lord, our resolve is not our will, but your will be done. We can make some pretty wonderful melodies out of the crushing process. And ultimately in heaven, it is true. That our crushing makes a beautiful melody in heaven. Your crushing, Lord, Isaiah prophesied before your birth that you would be bruised, you would be crushed for our iniquities. For us, Lord, you gave it all. And all you're asking us to do is do the same, to reciprocate, giving it all. So Lord, we bring that thing to you that is plaguing us, the thing that we do not want to walk through, the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, you say in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart, be encouraged, have new life. Jesus has overcome the world. And through that process was a crushing process that brought eternal glory out of temporary suffering. And so, Lord, have your way in us, God. Give us strength that isn't ours to endure, and not to just endure, but to praise you, God, in the midst of the trial. God, we give it to you. But, Lord, that is a sacrifice. We lay it before you. Church, whatever that thing is, lay it before him and trust him. Ask the Lord. For faith, if there is a lack of faith, to trust him with this horrible thing. Whatever it is, we all have it. That we would give it to him as our offering this morning. We would walk obediently in it and trust our maker in the process. Take a minute and just give those things to Jesus this morning. Jesus, you're magnificent, you are wonderful, Lord, we trust you with our whole lives. Do with us and through us more than we could do apart from you. In Jesus' name we said, amen. Collectively, you might look around this room this morning and see some faces of those that you do not know, uh, and that is wonderful. We have our guests here this morning, our friends and mentors, pastors Matt and Heidi Messner. Can we give them a hand? 
We also have the Chenoweth family who we served with on the staff at Eastside Foursquare. Uh, John and Rachel Bartlow in the back, longtime friends and running buddies of ours, are here. So can we just thank you, thank the Lord for our guests. It's a good thing when we can come together as one big family. And we know you hear us talk about this, and we mean it, that we are a receiving and ascending church that we believe as a smaller congregation. Smaller congregations are like rivers, which means they move quickly. And so we receive people for a season knowing that they belong to Jesus and not us. But it is our deep commitment as leaders is to hold people with open hands and make deep investments in them while they are here. We have missionaries in our midst from Russia and Ghana and North Korea and China and Korea and all sorts of places. And the Lord brings Montana, Eureka, and wherever the Lord would have you next. I just, I just consider it a, an honor and a privilege that the Lord would bring people and allow us to be invested in by them and invest in them in the process. And so we have one of those this morning. Um, I, I did promise I would tell you that when we're like actually sending, sending someone away, I would tell you that, as opposed to sending them to the Bluffs or Horizon or wherever it is that we're sending people locally. But Tessa, would you come up here? She's already shared a little bit of her story. It was almost probably exactly four years ago that the Holmes family arrived with us at South Everett. And uh, Tessa has been with us, and then she went to school in Texas, Arizona, Arizona TCU for a while. It's like it's one of those states down there. Uh, first season was gone for the better part of the year, and it wasn't, until, you know, sometimes it's when somebody leaves that you realize that the hole that they have left and the space that they fill. Uh, Tessa has come back to us as going into a new season with Bethel down in Redding, California. Uh, but it's been back for you've been, what, eight months back with mm -hmm. us. Um, growing in her gifts as a leader, as a worship leader. Can we just thank Tessa for leading us so beautifully and so vulnerably in worship for, it's not easy to stand up and sing and not only sing, but to just share from the depths of her soul about what she's walking through. Uh, Tessa's very genuine. She wears her heart on her sleeve and I think that's what makes you so authentic. You're always family. You're always family. So I'm gonna invite Katrina to come up and pray. Over Tessa, we're going to extend hands, and can you tell us just really quickly, I know you don't know why you're going, but what is, what is the program that you're going to be walking through beginning next week? It's at Bethel Church in Redding, California. It's Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry. I know that I'm going to have a, a stronger, like, a stronger faith. Like, I'm, you know, like, I grew up in church, but, like, I feel like sometimes all I can recall is like the Sunday school Bible stories I learned. Like sometimes, sometimes that's it. So I, but that's kind of what my hope is, is that I'll have a, um, a deeper understanding of the Bible and Lord's word and um, be able to discover my spiritual gifts he's given me and use those to glorify his kingdom. Amen. Well, Katrina's going to pray and the church extend your hand as we send Tessa in the season. Lord, we thank you so much for Tessa and the gift that she is. I thank you for her willingness to step out and to seek you. And you promise that when we seek you, that you will speak to us, that you will show us more of yourself, that you will use us in many ways. Lord, I just pray that as she goes down to California, that you will begin to reveal to her why it is you have her there, that you will fill her up, not just with knowledge, but a connection between knowledge and walking it out and living her faith and why it matters and to be able to stand firm on the things of your word. Lord, I pray that you will reveal to her her gifts, her talents, her abilities and the ways you want to use her. 
Lord, we trust that you will care for her, that you will meet her in the moments when she comes before you and cries out to hear from you. Would you speak clearly, Lord? I pray a blessing upon her, safety as she goes down, and uh, Lord, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity that she has. In your name, amen. 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 Um, we started going to Eastside Foursquare when I was about 12, and so my family was going to that church, and Matt and Heidi were on staff there. I got to know them really well through a friend that was living in their basement. And I went to a Bible study and then ended up moving in with them. So I lived in their house for a while and just got a strong connection with Heidi and our times together with the Lord and challenging and encouraging one another and um, sharing clothes and all that stuff <laughs> that you end up doing with roommates, right? But I just always appreciated how available they always were. Still, I refer to them more as, like, the family that I lived with than anything else because I feel that strong connection um, to them and their family and their kids. And, um, and then through ministry, Chris working at the church um, with, on staff with Matt. Um, I worked with Matt on some missions things at the church. And um, they've just been a source of um, support for us through all of our seasons and just so appreciative of that relationship and that support. It's fun to watch both of us grow and change and God sending us in different places and um, be thankful for that time that we had together but realize every time we're together that God continues to use us to help each other. So thank you for coming. Yeah. We're glad to have you. So put your hands together for Matt and Heidi Messner. All right, well, do you ever wish God's plans for your life was absolutely clear and easy to follow? You knew exactly what you were supposed to do and why you were supposed to do it. Anyone? Anyone, right? Of course. Yeah, well, today we're actually going to talk about making his way clearer in every way. Um, in every situation that each of us face. But before we do that, it is such a joy to be here with all of you today, all these faces, some new, some we've known for many, many years. But we did um, enjoy getting to really have deep connection. Katrina and I used to pray every Tuesday morning together early before work, before we'd go our different directions. And it's amazing how many of those prayers. We started a journal and would write down uh, the prayers so that we could follow them, and God just answered all those prayers. And it's really powerful to see his faithfulness in our lives. And so, thank you. It's amazing to see what you guys have done. Chris, you want to say something about Chris? Oh, yeah, Chris? well, happy birthday, Chris. Chris. Yeah. Had a birthday this week. <laughs> anniversary. They both had an anniversary. Anniversary this week, week for so both of them. I just want to put this out there. You've got great pastors. I encourage you to encourage them. You guys can close your ears for just a moment. A lot of times pastors, you know, we just think that it's all easy for them. It's not easy for them. So if you, it's on your heart, give them a birthday card. Congratulate them for their anniversary. Just bless them as they've been yeah. a blessing to us. Um, but as we get started in this message, you know, I believe that God has brought us together to hear from him today. Mm -hmm. Something very specific you know, to the, to the individual. That's why we're here. And some of us are here for the first time. Some of you are here for the first time. For some of you, this is your, your church home. For some of you, this is going to become your church home for a season. But the Lord, more than anything, he's orchestrating this. And, and so let's be attentive to what he has to say to us today. Yeah. So Chris was actually our daughter's 
favorite youth pastor. It's true. She, she would talk about that. All the time about he really was and is a discipler. And so the, the, what you guys have in this couple is a depth of not just, it's hard as a pastor, right? Because pastoring can be very difficult. But not just people who really love Jesus, but have a deep, deep connection to him and can lead others in doing so in a very powerful way. And so be aware about a gift you guys have in this couple here. So enough embarrassing you. But (laughs) we spent nearly 15 years at Eastside Foursquare, and it was a wonderful time in Bothell. Um, but, But we moved eventually to Eureka, California, which is where we currently live, although we have been signing closing papers literally today on our house because God is taking us on a new adventure. Um, But we felt God stirring our hearts in 2019, and he was telling us to prepare to finish well and to be more available to family. Now, all of our family mostly is in Oregon and Washington. We raised our kids in Seattle, and they both are still here, have bought houses. (laughs) Now we have, okay, anyway, so they're all here. So we thought, I actually was on city council in Eureka, and so I thought, oh, at the end of 2020, when my city council term ended and all my state work that I was doing, when that was done, that that would be the time. And then something happened. Little did we know that this worldwide pandemic would hit and that we were going to have to pastor through that to finish well. And so... Sometimes our plans look a little different than God's plans. <laughs> well, by the end of summer, last summer, 2021, it became very clear that it was time and that we are leaving a church and finishing it very well and that God was moving us. And so we stepped out in faith. We talked to our district um, and we decided January 2022 would be the end of our time in Eureka. Well, we've had a lot happen since then. I got hired by our district down there to pastor, oversee a lot of churches in three states. Um, But also, we'd had a family member pass away. We'd had a grandbaby born, another coming next month. Um, (laughs) We also have cared for elderly parents. We've, I've officiated a a family (laughs) wedding. Uh, member who's been just got married it has been a really busy year yeah yeah and we're coming again as pastors from a church in eureka which is on the coast of california east uh, west of reading and it, it we don't just pastor um, congregations we pastor communities god calls us into communities Amen. and that's so i know the heart of this yeah. church is a part of this community as Heidi mentioned, she was on city council in Eureka, something we never would have expected or aspired to. It's just something God did. And then also as a pastor, I also found myself coaching for the last seven years, high school, track and cross country, just to get out of the walls of the church and into the community where you can actually be with people who need the Lord. And so that's been super fun. Um, but since January, we've been traveling around visiting churches in mostly in Utah, Nevada, California, Oregon, a little bit in those Arizona. are Heidi uh, oversees about 50 churches in the Foursquare um, four movement, and so it's been quite a journey, you know, and how many of you know the Google, Google Maps, it doesn't always give you the fastest route from one place to the next, you know what I'm talking about? So we just are literally coming from uh, Tillamook, Oregon, where we spent the last several days this past week, 
Love it in that area. Pacific City, Oregon is a gem. Mostly it was a surfing trip. It wasn't really <laughs> spiritual. Uh, that but surfs it was every day in Eureka. But on the way back, you take a Google map from, um, from Tillamook to Covington, Washington. And it's going to save you about a half a mile, probably, <laughs> by taking you on a windy logging road that's now been paved. You know? And so we experienced that, Heidi, right? That journey. And how was it? I felt like I was in a puke most of the time. <laughs> Had to pee really bad, and there was nowhere to stop at all. <laughs> I was yeah. like, You're, we're gonna stop at a tree pretty soon. If it, but there's nowhere to pull up. Right? I mean, it was bad. So it what I told bad. her along the way is I said, it's about the journey, not the destination, right? I was like, yeah, the destination was much better than the journey. <laughs> Sometimes in life, that is true, right? The world's navigation <laughs> systems, they're not foolproof. Right? They're not foolproof. No. no matter what we're using to try to figure out, you know, how to parent or how to chart a career path or how to take care of aging parents or wherever you find yourself in life, you know, the, the world systems are not foolproof. No, not at all. Yeah, one time we were in Bothell and we were going to Rainier and Google Maps took us to um, Yakima. <laughs> like, wrong side of the mountain, dude. Taking like, I don't the, know what your deal is. Taking us but, to the eastern Like, entrance. come on. <laughs> I knew once we couldn't see the mountain, I'm like, I can see the mountain from my house and I can't see it anymore. There's something, something really is wrong. wrong. <laughs> something is wrong. Well, while these detours may waste time and sometimes create a lot of frustration, um, it's another ball game when we take the wrong path, when we go the wrong way in life, isn't it? And the stakes are much higher at that point. In fact, the results can be very grave in life. Have you ever gone the wrong way in life? I mean, any of us, I know that I have. Proverbs tells us there is a way that seems right, but in the end, it will lead to death. That's a pretty strong statement. Yet some people will just double down, won't they? Well, we're going the right way. I mean, it doesn't matter. I don't care what everyone else says. By golly, this is what I'm doing. But going that wrong way can result in severe consequences in life. And even at times, it'll take us to an eternal end. Yeah. But walking by faith implies not having the complete picture, right? We walk by faith, not, not by sight. Step. So even as you're walking by faith with the Lord, sometimes we just know that next step. We don't even we can't yeah. even see the whole picture. But today like never before, I think it's important that we would have the assurance that we're headed the right direction. That God's called us to be excellent navigators of his way. His way doesn't have to be a mystery to us. It'll, it'll take us on this path of great dependency upon him, though, as well. And so today we're going to look at John chapter 14. And in this passage of scripture, which is part of this series on the I am statements of Jesus, these great I am statements that he makes in John's gospel. Um, but this message that Jesus is speaking to his disciples takes place as he's telling them, that he's going to be arrested and killed. He's being honest with them. He's being upfront with them. He's being absolutely direct. And the disciples are afraid. They're afraid about their future. Jesus is saying, I'm leaving you. And he's also telling them, you're not going to be able to follow me where I'm going any longer. Not in a physical sense, at least. And so, beginning in John chapter 14, verse 1. So Jesus begins and he tells them, Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. He's saying faith in me is much more substantial than this life. My father's house has many rooms, verse 2. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Remember what I promised you, he's saying. Remember I've promised you something. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. It's me, right? Jesus is speaking into their anxiety, into their fear. He's speaking into that uncertainty that the disciples now have. They're fearful for what? I mean, they're fearful for his life. But let's be honest, they're a little fearful for their own futures as well, right? I mean, here they are. Jesus is saying he's going to leave, and they're not going to get to come with him. I mean, they've devoted years of their life to him. They could list the things they've given up to follow him. And now where is he going? He's just leaving them? What? Seriously? I mean, we, like the disciples, often worry as well, especially when we feel like things are confusing. We worry about the uncertainty of our future. We worry about the economy, school shootings, <laughs> raising children in that dangerous world, this sinful world, political upheaval. I mean, it gets us fired up, right? We worry about the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. Right. Like, what might that be like? <laughs> but seriously, though, as you think of those concerns in your life, like, what are those things that go through your mind, that keep you up at night, that trouble you? What are those things? And here Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not permit anxiety and fear to rule your life. Instead, choose hope. Choose joy. Decide on optimism. Trouble and fear are knocking at the door. They are knocking at the door. They're asking permission. Sometimes they're just shoving their way in, aren't they? But he's saying, don't let them enter. Don't let them enter. This may be the one thing you need to hear today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I really hear that from the Lord. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Some of you are thinking, well, I need to be troubled right now. Like, if you only knew what I was facing right now, you would understand why I am troubled. And that could be, you know, a diagnosis that you just received from a doctor. It could be family issues that you're, you're going through. But hear the Lord say, do not let your heart be troubled. I think about when we stepped out in faith back in January. We put our house on the market, and everybody's like, oh, you're going to sell your house like that, man. You're going to get cash offers. There will be a bidding war. Like, it's going to happen. Like, and we, it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen like that. And then interest rates start going up, and I'm like, all right, Lord, what's going to happen here? When are we going to have an offer? It's like, no offers, like, no good offers. It's just like time is taking Not like away. we had anywhere to go yet, you know? <laughs> you know, we didn't. And so it's really good that we had a place God to live. God kind of knew, I think. But I just remember just thinking to myself, you know, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I could worry about it. What good is that going to accomplish? You know, but the Lord is at work in all those circumstances, but he doesn't want us to carry those burdens. Yeah. What would happen... You know, when Jesus was saying these words, what was about to happen? Yeah. I mean, we, first of all, Peter, he's going to deny Jesus, right? Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be crucified. The disciples are going to experience the death of their leader, their friend. He's going to be executed as a criminal, no less. 
And they had no idea what was going to happen in terms of their livelihood, where they would go, what they would do. And so, you know, following the way, following Jesus takes us through these times of great uncertainty. Okay. But in the middle of the uncertainties of life, you gotta, we have to hear the Lord and anchor ourselves in that, his word where he says, do not let your heart yeah. be troubled. And then he goes on to say, believe in God. Mm-hmm. Right? He says, believe also in me. And so um, belief in trust in Jesus, those are really the same thing. It's almost synonymous and used interchangeably throughout John's gospel. Mm-hmm. Believe, trust, believe, mm-hmm. trust, and have faith. All those yeah. things roll together. Yeah, he's saying believe no matter what happens. Have that faith. And this is where our faith is tested. And it's proven to be real or superficial. Faith is not really faith, or we don't know if we even have faith until we go through trials, and it's tested, right? Faith is tested when we're given that diagnosis, and we choose to find his perfect love that expels and casts out all fear, and and have his peace instead, right? Faith is proven when we're tempted to drink, smoke, or pop a pill to ease our anxious thoughts, our depression. But instead, we choose to run to his word that renews our mind. His word that renews our mind. Faith is proven when we are close to a computer and instead of letting our fingers open that sight that tickles our imagination, we close it instead. When we text our spouse rather than flirt with our coworker. When we hear his words about who we are, not the world's words. That's when faith is tested. That's the reality of what our faith looks like. What believing in God looks like. This is the evidence of our faith. And each of us, every one of us is given a measure of faith. But we have to be the ones to exercise our faith. We have to be the ones to do something with it. With what we've been given. This is true resilience. In the face of trials, we need faith to stay on the way. Yeah. In the face of trials, we need faith to stay on the way. Yeah. And then he gives, them, he gives them a reason to be trouble-free. He tells the disciples, why? Why should you not be worried? He said, I go, I'm going now to prepare a place for you. So there's something better being prepared for you. There's something better that's going to come out of all the chaos that you're going to go through. There is something better. He's really telling them, don't get your focus on what's here and now so much. This isn't it. You know, C.S. Lewis called what we live in today as the shadowlands. You know, we're living in this season in a broken world, you know, where fear runs rampant, where there is uncertainty, Mm -hmm. where things don't always go right. Because some people think being a Christian is just like this formula for the perfect, comfortable life. Right. It doesn't take long to figure out that formula doesn't work. But the thing is, is we walk with Jesus in a world where people despair. Faith in God has hope beyond the circumstances, beyond the here and now. We have faith in something that's eternal. And sometimes we don't ever receive the promises in this life. No, we don't. We might look around the world today and wonder how much longer the rights and the freedoms of America will exist. I thought that as a child. You know why? Because I grew up overseas where the very real threat of nuclear war was always on our mind, where communism had a grip on much of the world, where the word of God was banned 
People didn't have access to the very hope that they needed, and so hopelessness ruled. And people wondered, well, what could be done? My parents felt that they just had to do something. And so what did they do? They sold everything they had. They packed up their three kids under five, bought plane tickets, and flew to Europe, where they joined an organization smuggling Bibles into Eastern Bloc countries. We traveled in trucks or vans with Bibles hidden in secret compartments called Gizlies. And we would cross borders at night. We would pray that we would find the right house because you couldn't have any information on you. You had to try to memorize the place you were supposed to go, but have you ever been in another country and tried to find something when you don't speak the language and try to see if you can find your way? Didn't even have Google Maps back then. <laughs> that might take you off course, but man, at least it was something. And so we'd pray that when we went to a house, that when that door opened, it would be someone who wanted Bibles and wouldn't arrest us, throw us in prison, tear our family apart. But there was this confidence of eternity that provided hope, peace, and joy no matter what we were facing. And there's a peace that comes when we as believers understand that we have a confidence in the person that we trust. In him, there is a better place than this place. That there is something more coming. That's why Jesus said, I'm, I'm getting houses ready for you. I'm getting a place set for you. There is something more coming for us. And our hearts are anchored in that reality. It is what Jesus knew as he faced the cross, right? He faced the cross, he faced it knowing that he was providing the way for others to have the same. He provided that peace, that hope, that joy that we needed because he knew we would need it. That eternity for him provided him strength to endure any trial and that he was making the way for us to experience the same thing. And if you're with him, if you're walking with God, you're on that way. That's where we have that confidence. You know, we have, uh, I have a good friend, his name's Joe, and he was our children's pastor. He was our youth pastor for years. His wife was on staff with us at the church, and they have three girls. They have their oldest girl just graduated from high school, turned Emily. Turned 18 yesterday. Yeah, turned 18 <laughs> yesterday. And then their second daughter is a Down syndrome girl, just a wonderful girl, our number one worshiper in our church. She just <laughs> loves worship. And then their little girl, Summer. Summer. And so they just gone to Disneyland to celebrate their daughter's graduation. Coming home, this is like a week ago, and a repeat offender drunk driver came around the corner, probably passed out at the wheel, hit him head on, like an hour from home. And so it was just chaos like any severe accident would be. Um, my friend Joe, he was okay. The car hit the other side of the car where his wife and their Down syndrome daughter were. And so he was able to get out, and you know everyone's freaking out. And he, they thought their, um, that Brooke, the the um, Down syndrome girl was going to lose her leg like completely. It looked like because of the injuries that were there. Put a tourniquet on her leg, you know, and just kind of started doing what a dad would hope to do in a situation like that. You know, and his wife was also being tended to. But in the last week, we've just watched this family going through this multiple surgeries and great tragedy and multiple generations of families. So going from the kids, parents, grandparents, and, and you know what? You know what's keeping them going right now? Their faith. 
Their faith in Jesus. You know, our faith in Jesus, these are times where it is tested in those moments, but it's also where it's proven in those moments. And Jesus has been present for them like never before, just doing miracles. And so they've been able to save her leg. She's got more surgeries coming up. You know what? But they're going to be okay. You know? And one of the things that um, they said was on that road, when one girl, the 18 year old, screaming and yelling, you know, like, did you see that guy hit us? We got to go get that guy. You know, like he was super angry. The other one in shock, the little eight year old, the one maybe going to bleed out, the dad trying to like keep her from bleeding out. The mom, like, I mean, they, they kept her, they've life flighted both of those women. But, um, and she said, through it all, I knew that no matter what happened, that all of our souls would be in heaven. Mm-hmm. That is a hope that we have mm-hmm. when we truly believe. Yeah. But, you know, there's those times when we really, really struggle. And Thomas is at a point right now in this story where he is struggling. And so he speaks up and he says, Jesus, I really don't know what you're talking about. Like, we don't know where you're going. How could we know the way? Yeah. yeah. You got to love Thomas, right? He's just so honest. <laughs> I don't know where you're going, Jesus. You know, I think I need a map, please. (laughs) He's struggling with that fear of abandonment. How many of us have experienced that in our lives? That fear of abandonment. And then it sometimes makes us, like, question God. Like, are you going to do this to me? Are you going to leave? I mean, Jesus is even telling them he's going to leave. Like, what the heck? (laughs) You're telling me you're going to leave? Like, you're going to abandon me too? How could you do that? He's struggling with this fear. But in the midst of it, Jesus answers and meets him right where he's at. Exactly in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our abandonment issues. All of those things, he wants to meet us right there. I mean, in those times where we are really at significant crossroads in life, I think that's where we really depend on Jesus to give us wisdom and direction, right? Is anyone at a place like that right now? Like, you just raise your hand and say, you know, right? I'm at a crossroads. I need wisdom. I need specific direction. Sometimes we're making big decisions. Those are key times. And I feel like in those times, you know, that Jesus is faithful. But we also need to be patient, and we need to seek him for that direction. Yeah. It doesn't take faith to follow Jesus when we know all the outcomes, does it? <laughs> it takes faith when we cross into the unknown. And the way includes following him into the unknown. Just like my family, you know, selling everything, crossing oceans into unknown territories. It takes faith. That's the way. It includes following him into the unknown. And here's what Jesus said to those fearing abandonment like Thomas, like the disciples. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him because you've seen me. He is not a way, but the way. He is not a truth, but the truth. Not a life, but the life. And this statement is exclusive. Yeah, and this, this, as you've been going through this series, I'm sure um, Chris probably talked to you a little bit about this, this I am statement where Jesus is really invoking the name of Yahweh upon mm-hmm. himself, mm-hmm. using this phrase, I am, yeah. which harkens back to God's revelation to Abraham, I am that I am, mm-hmm. this name Yahweh, mm-hmm. 
And so for the religious leaders, when Jesus started calling himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. It was echoing these. They're like, this is blasphemy. Who does this guy think he is? He's invoking the very name of God in describing himself. But, I, but that is, in fact, who Jesus is. And that's what he's saying right here. I and the Father are one. You know, and so uh, it's important to see that, that Jesus is the only way. Not a crutch, not a coping mechanism, not a compartment of our life you know, that we take out on Sunday mornings. No, he is the way. And he takes us on this trail uh, that we, we follow, leading to a destination with many junctions along the way where he will guide us. Mm-hmm. And it's easy sometimes to get off course in life. I mean, I have gone off course periodically. When we got back to the U.S., we had no longer the danger of um, poverty. We didn't have that danger of being, you know, <laughs> arrested. But we did have um, other things that were dangerous. As a teenage girl, I got distracted. I got distracted by popularity, by boys. Does this happen to teenagers? By boys. <laughs> by boys. <laughs> but I'll tell you what can't really tell you a story right now, but it was because of my parents and them coming alongside me and walking with me like Jesus walks with me that showed me the course of life and turned me away from the course, the wrong way that I was on and the moving to the right path. And I will never forget being so angry with them, thinking they were the worst parents in the world. How could they ever think they could control me? To like months later being so grateful that they took me the right way and that God's grace had found me. Jesus says, I am the way. And he says, come follow me. Following the way will take a person from loneliness to peaceful solitude, from anxiety to rest, from despair to hope, from confusion to direction. And to stay on the way, we often have to ask ourselves, what's the right way of doing things? And we need to seek him. We have to choose that way carefully. We have to choose that way prayerfully. Yeah. And so to find the truth, listen to the truth of Jesus. To find truth, listen to the truth of Jesus. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we often will quote that verse. We memorize it. We hang it on our walls, but do we truly believe it, that he is the truth? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I actually had someone challenge me and say, you know, Christians, they don't really believe the Bible. I mean, if they really believe the Bible, they would believe the truth sets people free, and they don't want to know. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to know the truth of what I'm doing. They don't want to know the truth of what the world experiences and has to suffer through. They don't want to know. They'd rather hide behind those church walls. And they'd rather sit there and feel like they're doing something good. They don't want to be like Jesus. The one who met people with love, with acceptance, with forgiveness. The religious leaders were the ones that Jesus actually came against, right? Because why they were judgmental, controlling, argumentative, self-righteous. Oh, but surely, you know, none of us are those things, right? But are we? I know at times I am. But Jesus is calling us to something different. He's calling us to his truth. That we would be aware of the suffering. 
that we would meet people in the midst of it, and that we would love them, that we would forgive, that we'd bring that acceptance to them that they are so desperately seeking for. Yeah, and he's given us his word too. Jesus is also called the living word, and the word became flesh. And so we do have that objective revelation of truth as well that we can always go to as the word of God. And that reminds me of why it was important for you guys even to be smuggling Bibles into a country <laughs> where the Bibles were banned during uh, communism or during the, the Cold War, especially in the Eastern Bloc countries. Why was the Bible such a threat? Yeah. You know, in the underground church during that time yeah. thrived. And people were willing to lay down their lives for that truth. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you know, we look at all of those things. And when he talks about being the life, mm-hmm. it points us towards that abundant life, the yeah. full life that yeah. he has for us. Not a life of pleasure, necessarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, that's not what he, was in, you know, what he was pointing people towards. But he's pointing them towards a life of significance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, some of the most prosperous people in the world are the most miserable. Yep. Some of the most successful people outwardly are the most unsuccessful inwardly. Yep. But when we find Jesus, his life, it transforms us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, for, I was raised believing that success would lead to happiness. Mm-hmm. Like The more successful you are, the more money you make, the more achievements you accomplish, <laughs> the happier you're going to be. Has anyone ever tried to live that way? <laughs> How happy does that make you? How far does that carry you? For me, it didn't take long before I realized it doesn't matter how successful I am, I'm, I'm going to be left empty. Because you're never going to be successful yeah. in that. You're, oh, there's always going to be somebody one step ahead of you, no matter what. But Jesus brings us the life. Yeah. Live the life yeah. by living for the life. Yeah. Yeah. That's Jesus. He goes on to say, Philip, or it goes on to say in verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father that will be enough for us. We won't be stressed out anymore if you just help us see God, he's saying. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time. Does he ever say that to me? Yeah. <laughs> you? Yeah. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe I am in the Father? The Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves, because very truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They'll do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. I'll do whatever you ask in my name, and that the Father must, may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Remember this. You are a part of God's plan for the cure of the chaos that is around you. You are a part of God's plan for the chaos, for that cure, for that chaos that's around you. What are those greater things? What's he referring to? Is it miracles like raising the dead or walking on water? I mean, perhaps. But really what he's talking about, like, The healing of a soul that is eternal, the healing of a body will pass away. These greater things will happen through us when we allow the power of Jesus to flow through us. And Jesus is the power of our life and our mission. He is the power of our life and our mission. 
And so wrestle with that statement that Jesus made, greater things than these you're going to do in my name. Because I think all of us, we like to pretend like that doesn't exist. That statement doesn't exist because we don't see these things happening. But again, remember that before Jesus died and rose again, people were not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they are. So we have an opportunity to see an internal transformation that's eternal, internal and eternal, that wasn't possible before. At the same time, contend for miracles. Be bold in your prayers. Expect him to use you. Miracles still happen. We wonder why they don't. Often it's just (laughs) because we don't ask. We're not desperate enough to see God work. Mm -hmm. So, to wrap things up, yeah. Stay on the way, right? Jesus is the way. Stay on the way like never before. Mm -hmm. I believe this is one of the key words for us today. Stay on the way. Where is he calling you? He's calling you to himself. He is the way. Mm -hmm. Follow him. He will give you the next step. Listen to the truth. Let it be louder than the lies and the voice of fear in your life. Make his truth the foundation of your worldview and your ways of thinking. Make his truth the foundation. Listen to that truth. And then live in the life. Live in Jesus. That's the abundant life. Not dependent on the external because the external will fade away. You might lose your job. We might lose our health. A spouse may walk out of a person's life, but you can live in the life, the abundant life with Jesus. Not a full life that depends on your next vacation (laughs) or that next promotion or a new crush. No, that life is available right now. Make today count. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. If you bow your heads, close your eyes. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your presence. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And you can speak that into uncertainty. You can speak that into confusion. You can speak that into a future that we, have, we don't even know. Lord, we set our eyes on you. We thank you for your presence. For everybody who's here, just with your heads bowed, eyes closed, I just want to invite you to call upon Jesus into your situation. If there's any point in your life right now where you're uncertain, look to him receive from him the grace that you need the wisdom that you need the presence that you need Mm -hmm. is jesus saying to you stay on the way stay on my way is that what he's speaking to you today that he is going to be the peace that he is going to be what you need what is he saying to you right now is he saying listen to the truth of who i am Listen to the truth of who I am, not to the truth you're hearing in other places that are that small T truth. Maybe he's saying, live in my life. You've been living a so-so life, but live in the abundance that I've called you to. That doesn't mean finances. It means fullness, joy, something that draws others to Jesus as well. The light that stands on a hill that cannot be burned out. That is what he's calling us to. So, Lord, I just pray right now that as, as you are speaking these things to our hearts, that you will bring the transformation that only you can bring to us, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Amen. Everyone said amen. 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 amen.